I um, like to take the time to talk to you about pleasing God. Pleasing God. I want to live my life pleasing God. I want, I want to know that I'm doing everything that I can to honor God and to bless God and to please him with all that I am. And I realize that there are some common mistakes that I've made along the journey. One of the common mistakes, and I'm just going to let you in into my life, one of the common mistakes that I make and it visits me periodically is that I look back at all of my mistakes. I look at the past and I think, how can God use me? Look at all my mistakes. Look at all my wasted opportunities. And if you park there long enough, you're going to become very hopeless. You're going to feel like, you know, there is no redemptive value here. How can God redeem me and restore me when I failed him or missed so many opportunities, right? And that can be very defeating. And it's very, it's impossible to please God from a place of feeling and thinking that you're defeated, right? Because God calls you to be more than a conqueror. It's who you are. Whether you feel it or not, it's who God called you to be. But oftentimes, I found myself revisiting some old mistakes and some wasted opportunities. And it's, for me, I've experienced being arrested by those things and realizing, oh, this is so, so heavy. Another mistake that I made in my life is that I just didn't want to think about it. I don't want to think about pleasing God. That means there's a whole lot of stuff that i got to turn over to God in my life. Right? There was just times in my life where I think if I just don't think about it and keep busy enough, distracted enough, you know, maybe I won't make a big deal out of it. And then I use the old comparison lie. You know, I'm just not going to think about it. I think I'm going to be okay. I mean, look at Joe. Glory to God. I'm doing fine. Let's just move forward. I'm not going to think about it. Right? So the whole, if I could just be distracted with life, maybe I don't have to think about the things that need to be lined up or who I am, and I just don't know about prayer, and so I just tried to ignore it. That was uh, one of the tactics, I guess, that I employed in regards to, uh, to that. And so, and of course, um, there was, uh, there's also the reality that um, the eggshell Christian, I was the eggshell Christian, where God was so perfect and so holy and so pure that it is just impossible that he would have grace for me. And so, so instead of seeing my relationship with God as I get to serve God because he loves me and because he calls me and because he fights for me, I interpreted God and my relationship with God as God looking at me saying, you better get it together before I accept you. So all the time, all my, you know, all that journey, kind of just doing my Christian life, wondering if I'm doing the right thing, if God loves me, if he doesn't. And every time I fell short, I felt like God must have given up on me. There's no way he doesn't want to give up on me when I want to give up on myself, right? And so all of those ways are just the wrong way to respond and to, uh, to live a life for God. If I think that way, if I uh, entertain those thoughts, I'm never going to live a life that really pleases God, Right? Because what I'm doing there is I'm continuing to look at myself, at my strength, at my abilities. Instead of looking at my past, instead of being condemned, instead of looking at what I need to do or what I can do, and instead of ignoring it, you know what I need to do is be thankful that I have today, this moment. God has given me this moment. If you're here today and you can reason, you can understand what I'm saying to you, I want you to understand that you have a gift from God that is invaluable. You can't put a price on it. You know what that gift is? Today. God has given you right now. And the ability to respond to him and to please him right now. God is not interested in you condemning yourself because of your yesterday. And God is not necessarily interested in you having your 40-year plan laid out for your future. 
what he, he is really interested is that right now you can say to him, you know, God, I know that I made some mistakes and I'm probably going to make some mistakes in the future and I don't really got the future figured out. I don't. But what I do know is that right now at this moment, I want to please you and I want to praise your name. That's what he's interested in. In this very moment, there's this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 and 2 where, God says, where Paul says, as God's co-workers, we urge you to receive God's grace. Don't receive it in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor, and now is the day of salvation. In other words, now, right now, is the day of salvation, a day of receiving forgiveness and kindness and mercy, the goodness of God, and also favor. A day of God prospering you and blessing you and revealing his nature to you. Now, right now, forget about tomorrow, forget about yesterday. Right now is the day where you and I can connect with God and that's a good thing. Are you with me? And that's a good thing. So if you're here and you want to live your life pleasing the Lord, I believe that the scripture that God has for us to dive into today, as we look at Proverbs 3 and we look at John 15, I believe there's a connection there. I want to talk to you about what it looks like to live a life that pleases God. And the scripture reads this way in Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my law. Really, we can use that word law. The, the Hebrew word is Torah. So it's not only meaning law. It also means my teachings, my principles, my ways. Some of us look at the word law and we attach a negative connotation to it, right? And for whatever reason, we look at the word law and we look at it as a, a, a negative deal. But here, when, the, when Proverbs 3 speaks, it says, my son, do not forget my law, as if God speaking to us, do not forget my ways, do not forget my teachings, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands, okay? Heart, what's the heart? Um, what do we understand about the heart when the Bible uses the word heart? What is that we're supposed to understand? It's this, the place of your desires, the place of your longings. Let your, make your heart keep your commands. For if you do, length of days and long life and peace will be added to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Some translations would say, let not love or let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Thank you, Father, for your word. As we dive into your word, thank you for revelation, the anointing to preach it and to receive it, God. I thank you that you have a plan for our lives. I thank you that we can live a life that pleases you because it doesn't depend on us. It depends on what you've already done. So thank you for revelation today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So when we look at that scripture, let's read it again. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. When I read the scripture, number one, first point, how do, I le- learn, how do I live a life that pleases God? I have to learn to trust and keep in my heart what God has revealed about himself and what God has revealed about his will. I'm going to repeat that again. To live a life that pleases God, I have to trust and guard in my heart what God has revealed about himself and what God has revealed about his will. 
As we look at that word law, again, it means teaching, revelation, principle. The law represents what God reveals about himself, right? And so God gave Israel laws to bring them out of slavery and teach them how to live a life free from slavery. That's what the law was for. So when you look at Adam and Eve, God gave laws from the very beginning, right? Because they were principles that lead to life. He said to them, incredible, he said, I'm giving you everything, every fruit from every tree. I'm giving you dominion over everything. It's all yours, but I'm giving you this law. Keep away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because the moment that you touch it, you will die. So the law you see that the law was set in place to do what? To encourage, to compel people, to compel Adam and Eve to choose life and to keep them from death. And so what is God's intentions in the Bible when we look at his principles and when we look at his laws and when we look at his ways? What is it that God intends to do? Very, very basic, very simple. He wants to lead us to life and away from death. And the commandments of God, are those guardrails that God has laid out in his teaching that lead to life. Have you ever driven uh, on the highway uh, on a steep place or by a mountain and, and, and there's a guardrail, right, that keeps you from veering too far to the right or to the left? Rebecca and I, my wife and, and my kids, we went to Costa Rica and uh, we got to, we rented one of those uh, four by fours because we were going to basically travel in places that were very difficult. And uh, we just didn't think about it, but we were driving up one of the mountains in the rainforest. And as we were going up, it's a rainforest, so it's wet. And, you know, things that you don't put together. And the mountain was very wet. And it was also very steep. And it was muddy. So you see that the roads are muddy. And you see that water is like continually running down in this mountain that we're supposed to drive up. And the only way to drive up at this point, number one, I can't see if there's a car coming down. I can't see it. And I have to make a sharp right turn and floor it on first gear. Stick shift, too. I got to floor it on first gear if I'm going to make it up to the top of the mountain because if I don't, the car's going to start sliding. And once there's momentum back, it's really hard to get that sucker to go back up. So we were driving by faith and not by sight. (laughs) Right? And there were locals, people who knew the terrain, who were actually on the side of the vehicles telling us what to do. They were coaching us to let us know how to drive. How many of y'all know that I was thankful for the coaching I was receiving? It's like, geez, you want to come up in here? I could, I'll could. just slide over. Right? I was thankful. So, so we should be thankful for the word of God and the teachings of God and the law of God. Why? Because they're keeping us from going off, off road into things that lead to death. Does that make sense? So when the word of God says, do not forget my law and keep in your heart my commands. God is telling us this. Believe what I say about myself. Believe what I have done. Believe what I declare to be truth. Believe what I say about you. And if you do so, you're going to have long days, long life, and peace. And what does that mean? We think long days, long life, and peace. What is the, the, the teacher trying to tell us here? Well, I believe that when you look at that long days, I don't know about you, have you had bad long days? Anybody? This is the day that never ends. It just, right? It's like, Lord, this day has got to end, 
right? I had a lot of days like that when I used to work on drive-thru and Taco Bell, right? It's like, Lord, this day's got to end because I just, uh, the fruit of the Spirit has left me. There were times I'd stand there and I'd be so upset and tired, I literally would just grab that thing and I'd be like, welcome to Taco Hell, this is Lucifer, how can I help you? I'd Kids are like, what did you just say? I mean, I was just so frustrated. I was not saved. I needed the grace of God, but I was tired of long, bad days. So when the Bible says here that God's going to give you long days, we, we're not supposed to read that in a negative way. But rather what God is saying is God's going to make your days fruitful. How many of y'all want your days to be fruitful? To bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Long days that are fruitful for God. And then long life, a long life is representative of many years, and that is representative of wisdom. God is saying, I want to give you every day, make your every day fruitful, and I want to make all your years full of my wisdom. And the peace of God is always representative of God's presence. So he's saying, Chevy, I want your life to be fruitful every day. I want your years to be full of my wisdom, and I want your life to be filled with my presence. Isn't that good? Don't we want that? That is what God desires for you and I. And so, as we think about that, again, what is it that God is calling us to do? Believe who he says he is. Believe what he has done. Believe that what he declares is true. Believe what he says about you and I, and we'll see the fruit of that. And this may sound very simple. I'm going to tell you something. This may sound very simple because it is simple. It isn't easy, but it's simple. Here's the truth. In order to please God, what we need is faith. We need faith in God. We need to have faith that he is who he says he is, that he does what he says he'll do, that he, his word is truth. We have to put our faith in him. And so as we look at the scripture over and over again, it's very clear that the root of every sin is lack of faith. The, the root of every sin is unbelief. And here are areas in my life that I've seen unbelief. I, unbelief at first in regards to God being who he said he was. But then when I got saved, I knew, okay, God, you are who you say you are. Then an unbelief in the word of God. Well, I know that you are who you say you are, but that's, you parted the Red Sea, really? You parted the Red Sea? I don't know. Right, but then when I got over that, praise God, I believe that God is who he says he is. I believe in his word. I believe that by faith. And then third, but the third was the biggest hurdle. I believe who God says he is, and I believe his word, but here's the deal. Do I believe that God's word is for me? That was a real big hurdle. And I want to tell you that even as a preacher, that was a hurdle. Don't know how many times I stepped behind the pulpit and I was thinking it. I was praying salvation, preaching salvation for others, and battling with condemnation. Wondering, could you actually save me? Can this word be true for me? The The root of every sin, the root of every disconnection with God is unbelief. Sometimes it's unbelief in God, sometimes it's unbelief in his word, and sometimes it's his doubt that God loves us so much that his word is actually true for us. And I was there for many years, and I want to tell you, you don't have to be there, amen? You do not have to be there. The Bible says, do not forget my teaching and keep in your heart my commands. If the teacher is telling us not to forget his teaching, what is the teacher trying to make us aware is a possibility? We can forget. In other words, we have a responsibility not to forget. Who's responsible? Yes, you are, and you're responsible for me. I'm not going to think about it. You meditate on it for me. No, I'm responsible for me. 
I'm responsible for the word of God. I, the Bible, God in his grace has deposited a level of faith. God in his grace has deposited his truth, his truth in me. And he said, I've given it to you. I've made a way. I've saved you. I've given you my truth. Now I give you the responsibility to guard it and to keep it. It's your responsibility to guard it and to keep it. And I learned that if I'm not careful, if I'm not intentional about guarding his truth, about guarding his word, about keeping his commands, if I'm not intentional, I quickly kind of fall back into my daily habits that basically are habits that don't welcome the presence of God, right? And then I find myself in a situation, you know, stressed out and doubting, God, can you actually move in this? So, I want to tell you this. We will never be able to put our faith in someone who, don't, who we don't believe has our best interest in mind. I'll never be able to trust God if I don't believe that he loves me and he has my best interest in mind. Just like I'll never be able to trust a mechanic who rips people off. Just like I won't go to a bad dentist. Right? Just like I, you just won't do that. You don't do that to yourself. And so if in your mind you don't know who God is and you don't know his ways and you're not taking time to hang out and know who he is, it's going to be really hard to actually depend on him because you don't know who you're trusting in. We will never be able to put our trust in someone we don't take the time to be with. I've just, you know, if I don't hang out with if I don't get a time to talk to you, I just won't know what's in your heart. I don't know what you mean. I don't know what your intentions are. If I'm not hanging out with you, I'm probably not going to trust you completely. The same way in regards to our relationship with God. And then third, God is, I want you to know this. We're going to dive into John 15 here and connect Proverbs 3 and John 15. I want you to know this. God is more interested in you being who he called you to be Instead of you doing what he called you to do. I'm going to repeat that again because some of you guys think, Pastor, I don't think that's biblical. <laughs> but it is. I want you to hear this. God is more interested in you learning to be who God calls you to be, who God created you to be. God is more interested in you focusing on being who he made you to be. Instead of you focusing on doing what he called you to do. I can tell you that if you focus on doing what he called you to do more than you focus on being who he called you to be, you're never going to be able to do what he's called you to do. Never. Because you're never going to find yourself having the strength or the ability. And if you think you are, you're going to actually fall into pride to think that it depends on your ability. God is more interested in us learning how to be instead of learning how to do. Let me just describe it this way. I have three beautiful daughters Three beautiful daughters. And with each one, the Lord blessed me with three beautiful gold-plated bullets for my shotgun for whenever. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have three beautiful daughters. The moment that they were born, I was captivated. I, I was like silly putty. I was, it was over with. When Mia was born, she came out screaming bloody murder. Even the nurse was like, that girl has good lungs, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, and she was crying. And I remember going to, you know, the, uh, she was placed in the little uh, warming bed. Um, I just remember going over there and I began to speak to her. It's going to be okay. 
And her eyes opened. I did not expect this. It just gripped me. Her eyes opened and turned to me, and she became immediately quiet, like she knew me. And it was over at that moment. I'm done. I'm dead. Forget it. My life is over. Right? At that moment, it was it. It was the rest of my life, right? And with every daughter, the same thing. You know what? I loved them instantly. They were born mine, and I was theirs. And I I envisioned every moment that I would spend with them and the way that I would love them. I knew that the time would come where I would have to discipline. I would have to learn to teach them how to live a life that honors God, that honors others. But at that moment, when they were born, what mattered to me is, I'm going to love you. I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to bless you. And that's me. The most important thing to me is that my daughters would know that they are my daughters and that I love them. Obedience comes second. And if I think like this as a father, can you imagine your heavenly father? The Bible says that you're born again. You are born again. And you have been born into the family of God. Your obedience matters, but what matters most is that you know that you are who he says you are. And he wants you to delight in the fact that when he looks at you, he says, I'm going to love you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to defend for you. I am, I am, I am going to come against the enemy when he comes against you. I am your defender. I am your deliverer. And you know what he wants us to do when he declares those things? He wants us to just soak it in. Just sit there with our pretty selves, with our Kool-Aid smile. Yes, Daddy, yes. I take it. The reality of the matter is that, you know what I learned? Many of us don't know how to receive. Like on a scale from 1 to 10, we're like at negative 117. We don't know how to receive. And so it's like God begins to love on us and we get uncomfortable. I used to work in many emergency shelters helping uh, kids who were removed out of their homes because of abusive situations and what have you and try to help families find the right fit for the right kids so that the adoption would be a success. And that takes a long process of prayer, of pain, of suffering, of parents who are waiting in agony and kids who are waiting for parents who would love them, right? And then what would happen is you would connect them and then you continue to pray in hopes that the adoption will be a total success. Because sometimes what we experience with some kids is that they walked into a family that was so loving and was so good and was so kind and was so generous that the kid knew only abuse and pain and hurt and wounds that when they saw that they couldn't receive it because the rejection had become their identity. And we would have to process what we would term failed adoptions. And it was one of the most heartbreaking things to have to go through for the kid and for the family. Many of us, God has already loved us, cared for us, poured out mercy after mercy after mercy. And we feel so awkward with the love of God that we're, you know, we're just hoping for a failed adoption. Because we're operating in the false identity of rejection. But I have good news for you. Your God says he's a jealous God. And you know what that means? He says, I know that you're fighting against me. 
I know that you're not receiving my love, but I am a covenant God, and I'm going to fight for you, and I'm going to defend you, and I'm going to be here through every heartbreak. I'm going to be here through every brokenness. I'm going to be here in every single, with every single pain and suffering and grief that you're going through, and I'm going to let you know that I love you. And if you want this life to be extremely difficult for the rest of your life, then oh well, that's what you choose, but I'm going to love you. And you're going to know that I favor you and that I showed you kindness. And if you want to be awkward for the rest of this journey, you can be awkward, but I'm going to love you. Or you can receive it. And I'm thinking, Lord, I just want to pray that you teach me how to receive. Because <laughs> I don't want my life to be an awkward mess because I don't know how to receive your love. Are you with me today? So as we read John 15, listen to what Jesus said. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples as the father has loved me so i have loved you stop I want you to think about eternity past and eternity future. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father loves the Son, and the love of God is pure, not tainted by anything. God's pure love, and this is what Jesus says to you, Sister Yvonne. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Why don't you just think, how much does the Father love the Son? I mean, can you imagine the conversations as the Son is creating the universe with God the Father? Can you imagine what that's like? I can't even fathom that. And God looks at you and says, I love you with the love of the Father. That's just incredible. Okay, let's keep reading. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that I... My joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And now what I want to do is paraphrase this. And I want you to receive this uh, just according to the word of God. The word of God is speaking to you today. And this is what God is saying. Look, what I'm calling you to do is abide. And what abide means is this. Hang out with me. Take time throughout the day to spend time with me. You don't have to have a big prayer list. You don't have to have some big revelation. You don't have to ask for anything. All I want you to do is take special time throughout your day to say, Father, here I am. I just want to hang out with you. And if you make a commitment to me to take out special time for me, this is my commitment to you. Number one, I'm going to give you life because Jesus is the vine and you are the branch. When you hang out with Jesus, you have no choice but to have life because wherever Jesus is, there is life. So Jesus says, just take that special time for me and I'm going to give you life. 
Take that special time for me, and I'm going to make you holy. I'm going to purify you. Just hang out with me. Don't worry about what you have to do. Just make time to hang out with me, and I'm going to make you pure. How do we know that Jesus is? Because the Word of God says, you are already clean because of the Word that I've spoken to you, the Bible said there, right? So you hang out with me, and I am, gonna, I am going to give you life. I am going to make you pure. But listen, this is also what's going to happen as you hang out with me, the Father yeah, not, it's not just the Savior, but the Father is going to come and he's going to start clipping the things that need to be clipped. I'm going to start cutting the things that get in the way of you bearing fruit. And then you're going to bear fruit. But the fruit that you bear is not even about you. It's about the work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm, Jesus has given us life. The Father is pruning us so that we can bear fruit. And the Holy Spirit is bringing out fruit from our lives. That's pretty awesome. There's the Trinity at work in our lives, right? And then, as you bear fruit, and as we do this, as we continue in this, because you're hanging out with me, ask me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. Because all of your desires are my desires, because you're hanging out with me. And if you hang out with me, you become like me. And if you become like me, you desire what I desire. And when we partner together in prayer for the things of the kingdom, I'm going to give you whatever you ask for. I'm going to give you whatever you ask for. So the Father prunes and the Holy Spirit brings about fruit. I want you to hear from me. So I want you to, ju let's just draw back. All God's calling you to do is be. All he's saying to you is, make time for me. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to clean you. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to prune you so that you would bear fruit. Let me just stop at the pruning here. What pruning means is when you take a plant or you take uh, a certain uh, tree and you begin to cut things that are dead so that the tree or the plant will have life. Oftentimes, I thought the clipping was my responsibility. And I thought that God wanted to use me to clip others. <laughs> I don't even know where to clip in my life. <laughs> and I'm trying to clip others. I don't even have grace for me. <laughs> and I'm over here with the sisters like, come here, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> one, time, one time, Elena, my pretty Elena, she's got this hair looking like Bob Marley, right? It's like, it's just her personality, right? So we just, we love her hair long and big. But one time, I had to comb it. We, I had to brush it. And it was like, girl, we ain't doing this. <laughs> so I just grabbed it. I made it a ponytail. I says, it should come out even. Cut it around. And I just cut. And I, Let's see what happened. Okay, just keep, just let's just, your mother's going to be here in 15 minutes. <laughs> and you know, that's a haircut, so that's funny. <laughs> but sometimes we try to do that with people's spiritual walk. And the Holy Spirit's like, boy, what do you think you're doing? What do you think you are? Right? And I've come to the place, not only do I not know how to clip Dennis, but I don't even have any idea what needs to be clipped in me. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I feel freer and I feel better. <laughs> you feel burdened. That's okay with me. <laughs> I don't know, right? It's the work of God. But what is he saying? Listen, just hang out with me. I will clean you. I will give you life. I will prune you. You will bear fruit. You're going to become like me. You can ask whatever you want. It's going to happen because you're going to become like me. All you have to do is be. Just hang out with me. How do I hang out with God then? 
Very simple. And I'm going to give you a little bit more detail of what that looks like. Because some of us may just struggle with that. And I don't want to take for granted that maybe some of us don't understand. Number one, whatever time you can take out where you can be alert for God. I'm not even concerned about the amount of time. All I'm saying is take time throughout your day where you separate yourself just to hang out with God. And maybe you're not a big reader of the Bible. Or, you know, maybe you don't know where to begin this is what I'd like to encourage you to do. Many of you already have a Bible verse or a scripture where God has spoken to you very strongly. I want you to grab that scripture that you're familiar with. I want you to go into that secret place where you're with God and just read that scripture and meditate on God and think about the goodness of God and say, as you read that scripture, God wrote this for me. Maybe you don't have a Bible. You don't even know where to begin. I want to give you something. John three sixteen, Bible says, God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son so that you would not perish, but that you would have eternal life. And I want you to begin, if you've never read your Bible, begin with the Gospel of John. And just read and say, God, I'm here reading for no other reason other than I want to hang out with you, and I want to meet with you, and I want to get to know you. And I want you to think about that and take some time. Some would say, well, I've never had alone time and silent time like that. I don't know if it's going to be difficult. <laughs> it will be. You know, I remember when I thought I was a spiritual giant, you know, and I thought, you know, I can do this. I'm going to have time of solitude. Me and God the Father. You know, I got all holy in my mind. I thought, this is going to happen. Nobody's home. This is going to be being me and big Jesus. I'm going to be washing this dishes, meditating on God. And as I'm sitting there, somehow, some way, my wife wasn't even there, but I'm in an argument with my wife in my mind. Like, I can't believe this. If she ever did this to me, ooh, I don't know how I'm going to, if she ever did this to me. It's like 15, 20 minutes later, it's like, what happened to communion with Jesus? My mind went everywhere else other than God. Right? So let me just tell you, we live our lives bombarded with commercials and entertainment and distractions and food with so many things. And what I'm telling you, it's going to take some time to train our minds to be still and know that he's God. So what I'm asking you to do is you hang out with God. Take one verse. Take something that is spoken to you in your life. Take it in that secret place for whatever amount of time you can and just say, God, I'm here to hang out with you. I'm here to be with you. And God is true to his word. He will give you life. He will purify you. He will prune you. You will bear fruit. Will you stand with me today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Father, as we come before you, you're a good God. You're a merciful God. You're kind and gracious. You're so patient. Sometimes I'm annoyed by your patience. Because I feel like you have the power to just change this in an instant in me. That way I don't have to deal with it anymore. And you don't have to deal with it anymore either. But somehow in your wisdom, immediate deliverance is not better than 
deliverance through spiritual therapy. The therapy of your word and your presence. How many things I wish would happen immediately so I would feel better about myself. But Lord, you and your wisdom, you are the master physician. You know better than me the process that I need. Thank you for your patience. And Lord, thank you that this kingdom thing is not about my strength. It's not about first about what I do. It's about what you've done and me receiving what you've done and just being who you called me to be. Thank you, Father. You're here today. I'd like to welcome you at this time. If, if you feel the freedom to do so, to just close your eyes with me and bow your heads. And you're saying, you know what, Pastor? I realize that that is really out of balance of my life. I, I focus so much on what I need to do instead of focusing on who I am, who God called me to be. I have a hard time receiving God's grace because I, I'm always looking at my failures, my shortcomings, and what I need to do that I can't get accomplished instead of focusing on the fact that I am who he says I am. And today, I want to make that shift in my mind and in my life and in my Christian walk. I don't want my Christian walk to be about what I do. I want it to be about who I am according to his word. If that's you, right where you're at, would you raise your hand? Hallelujah, so many. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father, we raise our hands before you. And your word says that you have given us a wonderful counselor, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I thank you that even right now as we say, as we raise our hands and we acknowledge, we want to be more about who you called us to be than what you call us to do. I thank you that you would teach us that, that we would learn to walk that, that we would learn to embrace that. Father, that we would embrace your grace and your mercy. Some of us are raising our hands this way. Father God saying, change that dynamic and give us revelation when we're operating the wrong way. So that's what we're asking for the word of the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that we desperately need. And that gift is a word of discernment, uh, discernment and a word of knowledge. We need discernment and a word of knowledge in our personal life so that we would respond to the leading of your Holy Spirit and operate as sons and daughters instead of operating as slaves. As sons and daughters instead of operating as those who are captive. Teach us. Guide us in the name of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm just like you. I am terrible at receiving not only from God, but from others. And I realize that I just, I, my life is awkward. My, you know, this relationship with God is awkward. My relationship with others is awkward because I just don't know how to receive. And I don't want that to keep hindering me from a healthy relationship with God and a healthy relationship with the kingdom people of God. That's you. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. <laughs> Lord, we don't want to be awkward anymore when you're trying to bless us. I, I love it when my kids on Christmas or on their birthday, when they get their present, and they just can't wait to open it up. And I think that you desire the same thing. When you love us and you give us your grace, that we can't wait to just open up that grace and that mercy, to walk in it and be free. It's your desire. Teach us to receive. Be good receivers. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Just one more altar call today. You're here and you're saying, I make a commitment to take time throughout my day to hang out with Jesus. I'm going to make that commitment. I commit now before the church body right now that I'm committing this week to take special time throughout my day to be with Jesus. I want to partner with you. Your secret place is between you and God. But I believe that as I was preparing this, what God was calling me to do is challenge you before the whole church body that we will be in covenant with each other, that we would commit to make sure that we take that time aside to be with God. doesn't matter how long it is, but I promise you this. You take time to meet with him, he's going to be there to meet with you. So if that's you today and you say, you know, I need to make that commitment. And I'm not, it's not necessarily about praying to God about my list. I'm just going to say, Lord, I'm here to be with you, to get to know you. If that's you, would you raise your hand with me? I'm doing it this week. Yes, Lord. So I'm going to bless you. Receive the counsel of the Holy Spirit as he leads you. May you be in tune to his voice. May the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate in your life. That you would know and that you would have ears to hear and eyes to see. May your secret place and your secret time increase. That you may increase in your confidence in who God says you are and your confidence in who God says he is. May that time be sweet. And may this week God do something so radical it would shift your identity. That you would know who you are. And that God will give you the strength to walk away from the false identity of rejection. That you would walk into your identity as the chosen of God. I bless you. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And enter into the Holy of Holies with full confidence that you belong. We declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, God bless you. The altars are open. If you need prayers, we'd love to pray with you. God bless you. Have a great day.